Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to That Christian Geeky Couple from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam. And Andrew Graham. And we're going to be talking about uh, Supergirl and Legends of Tomorrow. We'll only be doing one podcast because we've only got a couple episodes to discuss. And we'll start off with Supergirl Solitude. And pick up this very big key. Yes. And that, of course, is the uh, one of the big geeky highlights, is seeing the Fortress of Solitude on television. Now, of course, if you've read the Silver Age uh, comic... Instead of being made of a dwarf star, it was actually just a humongous key that nobody could lift. Um, So, it was like the size of an airliner. Uh, But I guess in in more modern adaptations, they've gone for the dwarf star uh, alloy. I've heard that before. Yeah. Though they actually, I think they only have a couple scenes there. So it's an odd thing to be the title of the episode when there's only a couple scenes. Definitely beats the, you know, abandoned office. Yes. It's good that they got away from there for an episode. The main villain is uh, Indigo, which is an AI uh, virus uh, based on the Brainiac program. And I think it's a great uh, villain, particularly since it deals with a cyber... Did they create her? Um, I checked and happened to know that she was created in the comics. Look that up. Yes, but that's the power of editing. You wanted to tell us about her background then. Yes, Indigo, and um, I quote from that most authoritative of all sources, Wikipedia is a fictional superheroine in the DC Comics universe who is later revealed to be a supervillain. And uh, she was introduced back in 2003, so a fairly uh, new uh, supervillain and um, is uh, just uh, using her on uh, television. I think it's a well-played villain, and more importantly, the whole idea of a cyber attack, it does play into a lot of our... Uh, modern day uh, fears, which, and particularly a more uh, prescient one, which isn't something I think we see in as many uh, science fiction uh, stories. It's usually uh, something that's an alien invasion or some sort of uh, metahuman, even though the source of the cyber attack was extraterrestrial. A lot of the potential concerns were very realistic, which I think gives the show a nice uh, edge in the story and really does make the plot work. And there is uh, some great action and as well as some suspense, particularly the way it plays out as to why the villain is doing this. Because it all starts out with her releasing a list of uh, people who cheated on their spouse on a website and spirals into something else. So I found the plot to be one of the better ones they've used on Supergirl. I have to say, so far no one's stolen any um, 
weapons of mass destruction as a result of the real life um, issue. Yeah, but it, it's a good way to take a real life event, in this case the Ashley Madison League, and play it uh, up in another way. So very clever on that one. And then the second element is the fallout from Astra's death with uh, Supergirl refusing to work with the DEO because she she believes Hank uh, killed Ann Astra and uh, can't work with her. And the truth is that it was actually Alex that killed Astra in order to save Hank. And in, in some ways throughout the episodes, I found myself being a little annoyed with Kara because it's like... It was amazing at times. The Kara never noticed the look on Alex's face and never asked her, what's wrong? Yeah, that was unusual. That may have been at a time of crisis, but I, I did kind of feel like, okay, it really is the fate of the world here. You know, you're dealing with this, all these evil alien threats. You just need to put it aside and put your feelings about your aunt's death. Well, know. what I'm saying is... Alex is supposed to be her sister, right? Yeah. Um, if you've had this, this history with someone like that, that personal, you get a lot out of their facial expressions. She should have been able to read Alex's guilt a mile away and have been suspicious about something was going on. Okay, I, I can see your point on that. Okay, so moving on, I found myself being annoyed at um, Kara because I think she should have particularly when, when we actually had Indigo out and Indigo knowing her secret identity she still was like to the D.O. get out of here I'm not working with you because I can't trust Hank uh, so that part was kind of iffy I did like that at the end even before she resolved her feelings about what had happened that uh, she did decide to work with the D.E.O just to avoid having the planet uh, getting blown up, which was Indigo's uh, design. And then that does lead into the final scene of the episode, uh, at least in that whole uh, subplot where Alex tells the truth. And it's very, very uh, well acted, particularly the parts um, involving the... Uh, expressions and nonverbal communication because Kara doesn't say anything during that reveal or Hank either but there's such a way that they that the actors carry themselves it is just a uh, really really uh, beautiful scene that feels real realistic and uh, true to life um, our third plot is uh, between James, Cara, and Lucy. And of course, as we talked about last week, um, James thought he needed to reveal Cara's secret to Lucy. And Cara uh, disagreed. But in the course of this episode, there's a lot of interplay between them as Wynne gets taken away by the D.E.O., and so it's essentially her and James, particularly when they go to the Fortress of Solitude. And it's kind of, it's a very um, telling moment when uh, Kara tells that Lucy could tell that Lucy has had a difficult... The whole win thing is like, you know, we should have seen the hat coming because this guy is, the train is having some pretty, uh, pretty 
good. Lost some IT skills and he works at a newspaper? Yeah, well, a worldwide media company. This place in his towns, isn't it? We'll talk about when in a second. Uh, but then... So, just walking off your job like that? Yeah, I do wonder, because the thing is, there's... My, my work does have some fairly good PTO policies, but I can't just walk up to my desk and knock, excuse me, I've got to go and work for uh, Black Ops for the rest of the day. Will that be okay with you? Uh, we do not have a special paid leave for that. In fact, you know, with as much as Cara leaves her job uh, during the day for this and that. He hired a second assistant rather than a firing her. Yes. Even though I'm sure she gets the job done at super speed. Now, back to the episode. And the, particularly the focus on the uh, James and Lucy. The She basically, uh, through talking... Kara's efforts to encourage Lucy that uh, James uh, really cares about her, in a strange way, ends up leading to Lucy breaking up with James because he realizes that Kara has feelings for James and vice versa. She also seemed to realize that, I don't think, she also kind of got the, it was also unclear whether she was, thought they were aware of this. Yeah, and... I think that it does play go back to what Wynn had said, you know, a couple episodes back that it, you know, that she wouldn't want to be in a relationship with someone who really didn't want to be there. And I yeah, at minimum, as polite and nice as she was about it, she at minimum got the impression that they're both basically being loyal to her, and that's why that they're not doing that they're not acting on, that they like each other, but aren't acting it out of sheer loyalty. She's like, okay, I want more of a guy that's beside my side out of sheer loyalty. Especially when we're not married yet. Yeah. I mean, now definitely married, that's a different thing. But in this case, it really, I think it, it, really did come down to some uh, revealing. And I, I think I do like the direction because it seems like they're, they're uh, at least moving some of their relationship lines towards a bit of re uh, resolution, which leads us to our final part, which is Siobhan, who, who came on as Cat Grant's first assistant now, which, again, Cat did just so she could punish Kara, that she ends up becoming interested in Wynn. It's, it's kind of as if, because remember, the first 13 episodes were written, and then these last seven uh, were not done until the show was authorized uh, to produce a whole season. So apparently they decided, we're going to go ahead and add another cast member to uh, be Wynn's girlfriend, perhaps. Which uh, certainly might uncomplicate the sort of triangle thing that they had going on with uh, James and Wynn and Kara. Uh, that or it'll complicate things more. It may indeed. But it's an interesting development, even if, if it feels a bit out of left field. At least they had a somewhat illogical reason for her to suddenly show up in the office. Yes. But then again, anybody getting hired on would be a reason. 
And uh, it's it, she is kind of an odd person because she's very closed off and professional unless you catch her at the right moment. And then she will talk about the most painful experience in her life. It was like, how did they get onto this topic again? Because they came out with it, because there were the list of uh, adulterers that were published. And uh, you also did have a few uh, slips by uh, Siobhan as uh, Kat's uh, assistant, so we'll also have to see how that plays out. She's not perfect, and it kind of, um, kind of indicated that she wasn't listening to Kara and was disrespecting it, and it's like, turns out Kara does have some experience and knows what she's doing in some of this. Yeah. Overall, I thought that the episode did some good things, particularly on the character side, and I, I really love the, um... Uh, use of a modern fear that's fairly reasonable in a way that uh, really does bring out how scary the potential of a cyber attack is. So I will give this one uh, a solid 8 capes out of 10. Mm -hmm. I guess so soon. Alright, well now we move on to Legends of Tomorrow. And uh, the title of the episode is Maroon. Which, of course, is about the uh, crew of the ship being marooned. Actually, no, it isn't. I suppose they went up into space to uh, rescue a uh, time master whose ship was essentially dead in space. Maybe that technically was marooned. And they stumble into space pirates. This plot is... It's, it's okay. As science fiction plot goes, it's pretty... Um, uh, uncomplicated, but I don't haven't seen all of Arrow, but I know the Flash hasn't gone into space. So going into space is a bit of a big deal, I think. And uh, it's nice to play around with it, and even just, it seems that, you know, poor Snart is, has realized that he's stuck on a ship full of geeks. Time and relative dimensions in space. <laughs> yes. And I have to admit, I did actually, there were a few scenes where... We, uh, I would just, my thought is seriously, the actors kind of impressed me. It's been a while since he's made me think about Doctor Who or Rory Williams or any of that stuff in his performance. I've actually been starting to buy him as Rip Hunter. Yeah, well, I kind of got reminded of Rory when we got into his backstory. We see, you know, how he's risking everything for the woman he loves, and that's that's just like Rory. I've been typecast, but I'm no, but he's, um, despite the typecasting, despite the part that's basically designed to remind us of Doctor Who and Rory Williams, he's managing to get into the role and per persuade me that he is Rip Hunter. Yeah. Well, and I definitely saw that. It was interesting to see the backstory. Given that he wasn't actually um, rescuing his own uh, wife or the woman on the ship had no current standing to him. It was kind of odd. I wasn't sure why he was having this flashback, but it was certainly interesting, and it gave some insight into the character and how he had become different from the Time Masters and his overall philosophy. So it was interesting. I mean, this episode is a bit of filler, 
in terms of not having in, uh, any tie-in. So I, but I did find the uh, Rip Hunter stuff very interesting. Um, and then we had Captain Cold and uh, no he, one had to vote whether to stay or to go on the island. That is true. Somebody did get kicked off the island. <laughs> yes. And of course, it's uh, something that actually just started really in the previous episode in terms of uh, real tension between uh, Captain Cold and Heatwave. With um, Heatwave getting really upset when he learns, you know, I will say that Rip Hunter's leadership skills were not brilliant this week as... In a, an enclosed space with a pyromaniac who is uh, very, very strong, he made the decision to tell him that he wouldn't bring the guy on the ship, in part because he had the IQ of meat. He was brilliantly human. I'll give him that. Yeah, but then that leads to Heatwave going to help the space pirates. It's to be all human, but he's still very, very human. And there's a certain charm to your character being human rather than a plastic doll that is perfect. Well, I can understand that, but we kind of are looking for some level of confidence here from the captain. Instead, you got a moment of frustration and anger. He said something stupid and made a stupid decision. Kind of like a lot of Americans are angry and making Thank you. Decisions. Okay. <laughs> I didn't say what stupid decisions he's making. Yes. Uh, fill in the blanks your, yourself, folks. Um, but the thing is, and it's another fair criticism, is that even though he, uh, he had, quote-unquote, the IQ of meat, Heatwave knew that this was a trap. Hey, he should look on the bright side. He wasn't uh, compared to vegetables. <laughs> yes, there's always that. <laughs> um, but at any rate, he betra Heatwave betrays them. Uh, to the pirates, uh, tries to kill Sarah in battle, even though he initially um, offered her a chance to just not defend the uh, time uh, engine. But it leads to uh, the pirates being uh, destroyed, and a decision has to be made with um, Heatwave. And Captain Cold's decision is that he would take care of it. Which leads to a very powerfully done, brilliantly acted final scene uh, between them. Because over the course of the series, we've kind of got to know them. And if you can't totally relate to them uh, because of them being, you know, criminals, you can at least understand the sort of bond that they've had through the years. And then you have this, you know final uh, moment where he makes the decision um, to in some way uh, get uh, rid of him. It, again, it appears uh, from what we see that uh, Captain Cold killed Heatwave, but, you know, comic books, comic book related media, that tends to be a little uh, fuzzy at times. And there are a lot of people that doubt but whatever it was, it was the end of the partnership, and it was a very... Um, He's crossing over from being a good villain to being a bad hero. An anti-hero, yes. 
from the light side of the dark side to the dark side of the light side. Yeah, it was... It was or a, what you said, which is another way I put it. Yeah, it, it was... It was an incredible moment, you know. It certainly, it certainly does seem like this is. We've all we're already six episodes in, and we're down two people from the original uh, crew. So this may be legend of tomorrow by the time we get to the last episode. Um, Who wants to be a legend tomorrow? <laughs> yes. Are we on a reality show? Is this part of the stick where they all get booted off the island every once a week? Well, not once a week, because it'd be over sooner. Um, and I, I and it was still, I think, very interesting played out. And like we talked about last week, a contrast between the two men. And the reason, ultimately, that he decide that he decides to do what he does is his conclusion that um, Ro was that heat wave was dangerous um, to um, uh, to the, the loved ones of everybody who was on the ship. And we saw those sort of dark impulses where the idea of living in a post-apocalyptic nightmare seemed like a good idea to him. Um, so... I think that may have also been a um, revealing moment for the... T- for Captain Cold too, because it feels like they're really appealing to his better nature here. Yeah, that there is people that he cares about, and they're getting him to stop. I mean, there's the criminal lifestyle is fundamentally selfish. They're getting him thinking about the people he loves and cares about. Yeah, and it's uh, again th- this is what's happened with Captain Cold this season I think has been very interesting and it really I think has just taken them a whole new direction than what we saw in the flash uh, though I think it was certainly foreshadowed over there and then our final element uh, we had um, Kendra and Ray uh, kind of um, after Ray got rebuffed last week this week, a different outcome, though that wasn't what he was uh, seeking, as he ends up having to go out into space in his atom suit to uh, repressurize the hull in order to save uh, Captain Cold and uh, Sarah Lance. And it was a very... Uh, what I liked about it, first of all, is that uh, it's an episode where Ray gets to actually be the hero, save the day, and not mess everything up. Although his sort of clumsy, incompetent side was uh, on display when he got left in charge of the ship. With the geeky side of doing a captain's log uh, entry they sitting had in the a, ship. a fun geek side totally out, and that was just awesome. It really made him endearing, kind of like... Um, it would play really well to the audience. It's like, he's like one of us. Yes. And then he goes out into space, and he stays out there risking freezing death uh, in space to repair the hole. It's a very uh, good moment, and the, just the conversation between uh, him and Kendra, it does... Um, it does move their move them to uh, at the at the very least she gives them a very uh, solid kiss 
And I think that's just because she really saw his nobility uh, in action, which hasn't been a side that she's gotten a whole a lot of chance to see. It was also the whole nearly dying thing. Yeah, that... that might, he reminded her of Carter. Yeah, and uh, I think that does add a really uh, good element. I, I've read some reviews saying that it was forced, but it was kind of uh, foreshadowed in the previous episode, and it does play out in a way that... I find realistic and uh, compelling. All right, well, um, we are, in terms of uh, this episode, despite the misnaming, um, I will give uh, Maroon a solid 7 out of 10. It's a filler episode, but it's a good episode, and it moves the character uh, arcs along, and I really thought that the stuff with Heat Wave and Captain Cold was really well done. Nine. It was awesome. Okay. It's not perfect, but a pretty good episode. One of my favorites so far. Okay. And why do you think that is? There are a lot of good character moments and, you know, some geeky moments. And I really felt like I really developed the characters pretty well. And was pretty good artistically, too. Well, I, I like that. Uh, space pirates just weren't particularly imp uh, impressive as villains, and so I kind so, of. So, it wasn't primarily about them. They were just kind of foiled to. I mean, it was really about Heatwave. Yeah, but I I still feel more like seven. You can have your nine. I'll have my seven. This was a really great episode. It really advanced the plot. Well, the important plots. Well, the my character, you know, their character journeys. My, the more journey. That's, well, that's that is easy to do in this medium. Well, I I can re respect that and understand that. My thing is, if you're going to have ele have elements in there, and you want to me to say it's a nine or it's a ten then what you have there has to really work. If the space pirates don't really work, and they're just there to... A nine, it's a nine out of ten. Everything has to work perfectly to be a ten, of course. Well, I, I just needed more to work for it to be higher than a seven. But I could have gone eight, I'm, I'm, but I'm going to stick on seven. Boost an eight. Okay, thank you. We don't have to come to consensus. All right, well, I have been uh, busy, so I have not gotten as much other media reviewed. So I only have one thing to talk about, and that is a Big Finish short trip. And Big Finish short trips are half-hour audiobooks read by a uh, former uh, companion or doctor. And the one that I listened to this week was Garden of the Dead. And it starred Mark Strickson, who played uh, Turlow back in the 1980s. And the setting of this uh, Garden of the Dead was a, it was an interesting uh, concept. Uh, it was played okay. I think Strickson's appoint, uh, performance as Turlow really does make it interesting. It captures a point in that character, uh, in Turlow's arc, where he was really interesting and mysterious because he had uh, come on the, the TARDIS as a companion, but was actually being used by the Black Guardian uh, to kill the, uh, to try and kill the Doctor. And he recaptures that, even though it's been uh, three decades since that particular story arc. 
I give Strixon full credit for a really solid performance that ultimately makes this a 7 out of 10. And uh, that's all then. Um, we will be back next week. Uh, but for now, from Boise, Idaho, this is Adam. And Andrea Graham. Signing off. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.